Welcome to Inside Michigan Business Podcast. This episode is made possible by Dell for Startups, providing solutions for all of your startup needs at special savings. Check out Dell's top business class PCs and accessories and register at startupnation.com forward slash Dell to save on Dell's awesome lineup of best-in-class laptops, monitors, and accessories. All right, welcome. Today on Inside Michigan Business, we've got Maureen Donahue Krause. She's the president and chief executive officer of the Detroit Regional Partnership. Now, the Detroit Regional Partnership serves as the lead economic development agency for the 11-county Detroit region. Their team serves to connect you with the data, knowledge, and resources you need to understand the industries, communities, and talent available right here in our region, an important post to say the least. Maureen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to talk to you and and really tell the story about what we're doing. Well, we want to hear about that. Before we do that, now you're a Michigander, born and raised, right? I know you've been here a long time. Born and raised. Okay, me too. Yep. Yep. Southeast Michigan as well. Actually, me from Flint, believe it or not. Very good. Yep. I'm an East Side Warren chick. So East there you Side go. Warren. Okay, so Flint and Warren. I mean, those are both hardworking towns, blue collar, you know, yes. gutted out kind of towns. We love that. And what we want to focus on today is really, you know, everything's always in transition and being transformed and so on. And we're in the process of Michigan's always going somewhere as every other place is. And and we really want to kind of get a handle on the pulse of you know, kind of where we are, what's working, and some things we need to really focus on in order to get where we want Michigan to go and what we want it to be ultimately, those of us who are pushing hard to make it all that we can be. Give us first the status quo, kind of where we are, the the state of Michigan. So, you know, it's interesting because I think we do tend to dwell on problems or things that need to be fixed. We're in a good spot in many ways. You know, obviously our automotive industry came back from of the pandemic and the economic downturn in a really strong way. Um, we are in the middle of a huge transformation as automotive, our big industry, is going from, you know, the the code words are ICE to EV, but it's internal combustion engine to right. electric vehicle. Right. And it's not just that. It's how are we going to use this new technology to really impact everything that moves in many other ways. But if we think about automotive right now, the EV space is going to require more than 33% less jobs. So it's very important that while we're embracing this industry, we've had over $40 billion in investment in the past few years uh, by our companies who are here in the electric vehicle space. We want to make sure that our supply chain keeps up, our small to medium-sized businesses, that our talent keeps up, and that our very important entrepreneurial space keeps up with this very rapid transition to a new space. Okay, so 170,000 fewer jobs. Now, mm-hmm. quantity of jobs is one thing. That's obviously something mm-hmm. important to keep your eye on, but it's also the the type of jobs. Mm-hmm. If we move into the, you know, more of a focus on EV, do we bring more tech type jobs as opposed to manufacturing jobs? And is that kind of, you know, where does that put us at the end of it? So it's really important to know that we already have the second largest concentration of engineers in the country. Yes. And so that's a huge strength for us. And they will need some slightly new skills set. But, you know, they have that base of knowledge and they know and understand the auto industry. When it comes to manufacturing, there are other more um, sort of high-tech, advanced manufacturing jobs that they can really move into. And what we have is that experienced manufacturing talent that will look at other sectors besides EVs. Yeah. 
So, okay, so you mentioned in just kind of right now doing the kind of the state of the state, if you will. One of the things that's happening is this significant transformation from ICE to EV, as you said, yes. like that a lot. What else, uh, you know, in terms of if we're first to kind of, again, put our finger on the pulse of where we are, and then we'll get into what we need to focus on to go where we want to go. You know, another issue that's become really um, important sort of post-pandemic, although we're in it still a little, but what we've seen is this transformation of where your workforce will work. And mm. certainly manufacturing, you can't do that from home, but there's a lot of other things you can do at home. And that speaks to, do we have the right community sort of uh, vibe that people want to live in? And they're spending more time at home and they're spending more time in their communities. So I think our policy leaders and all of us really need to think more about the space, our communities, and are they going to be attractive to the talent of the future? Well, we want to know, do we have the right vibe? You know, I have to say, I, not to pick on anyone, but after spending five days this past week in Texas where it was over 105 degrees every day and there was no water to be seen, mm. we really have a wonderful sort of more moderate quality of life here. Um, our parks, our waterways, um, all sorts of recreation for people to do. So I think we're in a really good space compared to many other locations. It's just talking about it more. You know, I agree with you entirely. Obviously, those of us who born and raised here, live here, you know, enjoy the state of Michigan the way we do, it's a beautiful place to live. It's amazing. But uh, maybe giving up on January, I, if, I, if I do say so yeah, myself, yeah. after the new year, maybe give me 30 days somewhere else or a little break here True. or there. But it's an absolutely beautiful state. And it's surprising to so many people. You know, they think Michigan, they think Rust Belt manufacturing, you know, and certainly that's a part of our heritage and history and part of our current state, but mm -hmm. so much more to Michigan. And frankly, after yes. the auto industry, our, our tourism industry here Number thrives two. for a very good reason. It's not just because we sell it well, it's because it's legitimately amazing, the yeah. Great Lakes and so on. You know, I've lived in Illinois and Indiana for short stints, and it's funny when you talk to people, they all vacation in Michigan. Yes, right. All of them. Yes, it's amazing. and and, and But it still is kind of a... I don't want to call it a secret, but it's still not mm -hmm. widely known. Again, if you were to go out and poll people throughout the rest of the state, when you were in Dallas, what do you think mm -hmm. of Michigan? You don't hear a lot about that. Right. And we need to do better at that. I agree. Telling our story. Pure Michigan has been terrific. It has. And we need to do more. And we need to do more. Right. I love the Pure Michigan campaign. It was beautiful. Yeah. But we need to do more. Okay. So what are some of the things, speaking of doing more? What are some of the key things on your list, on your agenda, if you will, that you think we really need to focus on in order to move Michigan forward? You know, at the Detroit Regional Partnership, we celebrate our successes, and we've had some terrific successes over the past three years. But we're always challenged to identify what are the obstacles to success and what should we do to fix those. So we spend time on that. I especially spend a lot of time on that. So what we've identified right now, today, what are our top challenges? Um, the first one revolves around talent, but I want to be very careful when I say that. We have highly skilled talent. We have very experienced talent. We just need to make sure they have the right skill set for these future opportunities. You know, as we're looking forward, what are our companies going to need? What are the skill sets they're going to need five and ten years down the road? So we've got talent, and it's like gold right now, um, but we have to make sure that it has the right skill sets. It sounds like with that you're talking more about training as opposed to recruiting. Yes, yes, because, you know, a lot of states like to come here to recruit our talent away. Yes. We have, you know, when you have the second largest uh, group of engineers in the country, right. 
there are a lot of areas of this country that sure. covet that. Sure. But we want to make sure they have the relevant uh, engineering skills, relevant manufacturing skills for our, you know, um, skilled workforce that they can be in the advanced factories of the future across the board. Training. Training is what you're talking about. Yep. Reskilling, upskilling, training. Absolutely. Okay. So then beyond bringing our base of talent mm-hmm. up to where it needs to be in order to meet the demands of today. Mm-hmm. Let's talk number two on the list. Yep. Number two is really our incentive um, base that we have. So Michigan has, over the past 10 years, basically gotten rid of a lot of our incentives. And, you know, uh, it's a separate debate. Do we want to do incentives? It's like being um, a few years ago when you were the only car, if you were the only car dealership on Maple Road that didn't give rebates, Mm -hmm. you probably wouldn't get as many looks. Right. And that's the incentive game. So, you know, one example, a research and development credit. We want to encourage research and development to occur here to hire our engineering talent to encourage more of that growth. We're only one of nine states right now that doesn't have a research and development tax credit. And why do you think that is? You know, it was seen, I think there was a moment in time where we thought the only solution was tax cuts. And, you know, I'm just not an either-or person. We have to be careful and look at what our tax structure is, that it's not burdensome to any one group. Uh, but we also have to look across the board at what our competition does. And, you know, a research and development tax credit encourages more. And that's what we want. So there are tools we've been working in. In December, we passed some significant legislation in Lansing, bipartisan legislation to support closing these big deals that you've heard about. General Motors and Ford, mm-hmm. there are a few others in the pipeline, can't talk about yet. So we did that. But we have to finish that, you know, and really support the types of jobs and the types of companies we need here in the future. It's all about meeting your customer where they are. Can you give us examples? Can you cite examples where we've lost as a result of not having the R&D tax credit? Well, I can tell you about one right now, and I did get the company's permission not to use their name but to tell their story. It's a global uh, tier one supplier here. We know we have companies from around the world. They have about 10,000 employees in the country, half of which are in Michigan. And they have significant plans to grow their research and development capacity. And I was talking to them a couple weeks ago, and they said, Maureen, you know, um, Indiana and Ohio have a research and development tax credit, but Michigan doesn't. And I said, yet. We're working on it. We're working on it. Hang in there with us because they love the workforce they can get here. But, you know, global companies make decisions that revolve around their bottom line. Sure. They're not as committed to a local community as we are. So we have to make sure we are meeting that customer where they are so that they will continue to grow here. I think that's a really strong point that all of us have to be aware of. You know, as you just said, these big corporations make their decisions based on the bottom line. Yeah. And that's something we have to keep front and center. Sometimes, you know, and we may have a history of it here in Michigan. We think maybe corporations have a bigger duty than that. But first and foremost, and fundamentally, the blocking and tackling of it is you got to be a successful corporation. That means profits. Yes. You know, and distributions to shareholders and share price and all the rest of it. So mm-hmm. those are the things they're going to look at first, and we better be competitive if we're going to have a shot at getting them here. Absolutely. And, and keeping them. You know, another issue that's top of mind right now, uh, speaking of being competitive, is having uh, the right sites for companies to locate to. They're moving at the most rapid pace I've seen in my career, which is 25-plus years. They want to site something, you know, in six months, in a year. That means you have sites that are ready to go with infrastructure, Uh, that have power that can be delivered, that have the proper zoning so that you don't have to rezone, which is an arduous process at best. So it's really incumbent upon us 
from 10 acre sites to 1,000 acre sites. What do we have that's ready to go that's available? So we've been working on that at the Detroit Regional Partnership to identify those sites that are ready to go and then identify sites throughout our 11 county region. You know, we're not just Detroit, we right. cover over half the state. Um, identify sites that might be larger in scope. We need less of those. But the whole range of sites so that when the customer calls us and says, we'd like to hire 100 people or build a facility for 500 people, um, we can show them with certainty what is available and what meets their timeline. What are the kinds of things that, you know, historically have been a cog in the system or, you know, slowed us down and not being able to be as competitive as we need to be there? And what are some of the things that you think we need to be really focused on to make that a process meet the demands? You know, part of it on the site area has really been a victim of our success, right? We've had, we have industrial parks, we have industrial sites, they've been used. And part of it is preparing for the future. So even some of the site work we're doing right now, we might not need those sites for five or 10 years. We're, we're, I think, programmed to have this sense of immediate, you know, satisfaction. Okay, we built a site and a company came six months later and they hired people six months after that. We really have to think more long-term about that and how do we prepare for that future for five and 10 and 20 years down the road. The site that Ford went to in Tennessee, yes. um, the big announcement a while yeah. ago, it took them 19 years to put that site together. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. I have one more that I'd like to add, and that's the one that becomes a little controversial, but it really is important. You know, companies invest very long-term. Um, they spend millions, billions of dollars on a long-term investment. They want to go a place where they feel there's certainty, where there's not going to be upheaval every couple of years, you know, and I'm talking about political turnover or whatever. But really what has come to the attention, this is a national issue right now, but political discourse. Can our no. elected leaders yeah. get along and work together for the betterment of their customers, which are residents and businesses? And, uh, you know, we've seen a little bit of this discourse in the state. It's not unique to Michigan, but we've seen it, and companies bring it up because they want to make sure that if they're investing millions or billions of dollars, that they're, um, you know, the political leadership is all in tune, and the residents on support for that success. And I think it's fair to say that every elected official, no matter what end of the spectrum you're on, agrees that we all want the same thing in Michigan. We want good and better job opportunities for our residents, and we want investment in our communities. So we all agree on that. And once again, it's not an either-or issue. It's an and issue. Really what is, are the strategic yeah. things we can do to create that environment? Absolutely. You've laid out the, your four points of the things we need to focus on. What, what are the greatest threats to being able to achieve these things? Where do you think our greatest weaknesses are and where are we vulnerable if we don't do certain critical things that could impose an impediment to achieving what we need to? You know, part of it is that um, the speed which which things are happening right now, we need to keep up with that speed. But I really think we need to reflect a moment of what we learned in 2009 and 2010 when things got so bad, and we literally all in various ways had to be bailed out, whether it was our cities, communities, our companies. We want to be proactive this time. We don't want to have to be bailed out. So what did we learn, and how can we think to the future on getting our talent, our sites and communities, um, our incentive package, and our political will to create an environment for business success 
let's not wait till we have to be bailed out this time. Let's really think about proactively how we can avoid that, making sure that our talent and our companies can come along with us as this really rapid transition is taking place in our main industry. Yeah. You mentioned something just a few minutes ago, political discord. I think mm-hmm. that too is a major threat for me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just sometimes, I, you know, serving your personal agenda and putting that before doing what's right for the mm-hmm. citizens of the state of Michigan, it's become a bit of a circus at times. And, you know, once again, it's not unique to us, but it's our issue that we can have an impact on. We can't control the other states, but we can control how the world sees us, how the rest of the country sees us, how we are all committed to working together for, like I said, those principles of good job opportunities and better investment in our communities. And, um, you know, I, I have a, a former boss who said this one time, so I don't know the original origination of the quote, but if we all agreed on everything, only one of us would be thinking. Yeah. yeah. Right? And it's true. We need all the ideas. We're not all going to agree 100% of the time. But guess what? If we agree on our foundation of where we're going to start, then we look at the best ways to get uh, to yeah. the end uh, goal, which is better jobs and better investment. Absolutely. And frankly, disagreement can be a healthy thing leading to even better outcomes. So disagreement's okay. I don't think that, yes, mm-hmm. you just pointed out, it's not really the issue. It's the way that we interact and deal with each other and respect one another and, and the mm-hmm. process with which we go about arriving at action, you know, mm-hmm. can be waylaid and, and worse as a result of, uh, you know, n- not uh, good interaction between those that are leaders, regardless of their mm-hmm. perspective. Again, it's okay to disagree, but we want action, right? We want solutions. Move fast. Move fast. Move fast. Yeah. Do the right thing. I'm curious, you, you were just down in Dallas. When you go out into the world mm-hmm. and you make the you're a great ambassador for the state of Michigan. You love the state of Michigan. Yes. When you go out there and people, you're sitting next to someone at Dallas or what, you were at a conference or a business meeting or. Yeah. Actually, both. I both. combined both in okay. Dallas. Yeah. And yeah. someone says, you know, I'm here. I live here in Texas. I, well, what's the story with the state of Michigan? I've, got, I've actually got a company. Should I move it there? And if so, why? So, you know, you have to understand what the customer exactly needs, what their driver is. It's not always the same, but I would say it's fairly consistent lately in that it's ability to get the right talent. So we do talk about those talking points of our talent. We have lower turnover rates than our competitors. That's huge when you're hiring. You don't want your staff turning over every three to six months. Right. You know, talent that has experience. When you look at this EV space and all these new companies, you can hire people who are just excited to be in the EV space, or you can hire people who've actually been in a car facility before and know how it all works and how it gets together. We offer that. And then, you know, our engineering talent is just superb. Uh, We produce it here with um, exceptional universities, but we have the second highest concentration of engineers in the United States. And we are just under the first highest. It changes every year. And, you know, just by a couple hundred each time. So last year we were number one. This year we're number two. And, you know, I, I don't predict this, but we're really high up there. And that's the sort of story we tell. If talent is your driver for a company, this is where you need to be looking. And that's what I would tell a company in Texas or, you know, around the world. Uh, We just had a Canadian uh, company announce last uh, week 133 jobs here, and talent was the driver that brought them here to the Detroit area. Yeah. You know, I focus largely on the startup space. That's my Mm -hmm. world in in the business world in the state of Michigan. And uh, we were just recognized, by the way, as being yes, we the top emerging startup economy in the world Terrific. ahead of Hong Kong and Minneapolis and so on, which is incredible. 
Yes. Really incredible. I was bragging about that in yeah. Dallas, for sure. Right. I mean, isn't that, that's really amazing. And that's a good feather in our cap. Now, mm-hmm. having said that, though, we're also heading into some pretty choppy waters here. You know, again, mm-hmm. I'll focus on the, the startup community and mm-hmm. what's going to happen to access to capital, access to talent yes. at that level, access to culture to inspire me to mm-hmm. start a company in a really tough environment. And of course, any good economy needs those startup companies Absolutely. At, at the leading edge of it all. Because those are the ones that employ people and, you know, across the board. I think 99% of all employers in the country are small businesses. People don't realize this. What do you fear and what do you feel good about as it relates to that community? So, you know, I fear the access to the right resources. You know, and that's something we work on and others do. Um, Small companies don't have access to things like where do you find, you know, different sources of talent? Uh, Where do you find capital that isn't at your bank or isn't, you know, the top two right. things you Google. Right. right. So it's making those connections. Um, we had this conversation recently about a proposal we're working on, the DIE, uh, DEI lens. Mm. So important. Mm. And we win projects because we're diverse and companies know they can find diversity here. It's not hard. Yep. But guess what? Not every small company or entrepreneur can embrace that because they don't have an HR department. They don't know where to start. So we're looking at how can we help them find the right resources um, that access because they're busy probably, you know, um, oh, doing I some mean, engineering just, oh, and or, working on prototypes and sweeping the floors at the end of the night, right? You trying know? to make a first sale, the next sale, whatever those fundamentals yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what are the ways that we can help provide easier and equal access to the resources you need in today's economy to succeed? All right, that wraps up this episode of the Inside Michigan Business Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to receive programming notifications and special event announcements by going to InsideMichiganBusiness.com. Follow us on your favorite social media platform and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Thank you for listening.